0: When we choose to listen to the words of the, song that we, the songs that we have been singing, then we'll have less problem with the lesson that I'm bringing. The problem is that oftentimes we allow the lesson that I'll be bringing to keep us from singing the songs that we've been singing to keep the words of those songs. We need to listen very carefully to what we've been talking about. We need to be listening to, as we've talked and admonished one another in our psalms and hymns and our spiritual songs, what is involved in our learning to take the hand of Jesus and let him lead us. That comes from a love of God, a trust in God, a desire to be found pleasing in the eyes of God, and a belief that indeed we believe that he will lead us. In spite of all the obstacles we may see or face in this life, we need to believe that. We need to have trust in the song, Angry Words will Let Them Never from Our Tongue Unbridled Slip. We need to know the damage And we've experienced the damage that can be done by angry words. But if we learn to bridle the tongue, if we learn to think twice before speaking once, we won't have the problem with the words of the lesson. Pure in heart, O Lord, help me to be. We live in a world that has always been since we first listened to the wrong voice. A challenge to sort out and to truly listen to the voice of Jesus, the voice of God with a trust and a confidence that without a doubt and without a hesitation God's word stands true, and every word has an application in my life, and indeed it will help me to be pure in heart, for as a man thinks, so he is, as he thinks in the heart, the mind, is the type of individual that we will be. The song that would give us trouble will be that invitation song. Satan's had his impact there, has he not? We're teaching and we're admonishing one another. And we're reminding ourselves in that song, there's a stranger at the door of the heart. Let the stranger in. There is where Satan has begun to wield his influence. That we would so regard or to think of God, of Christ as being a stranger to our heart and that indeed we really need to let him in. James as he writes in the, his book and in the fourth chapter verse one and following where do wars and fights come from among you? Do do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members you lust and do not have? You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. If I were the devil, how would I destroy a hope and a confidence that Christians have and God. We have an unyielding adversary in the devil, one who is bent on destroying the church. And in order to effectively combat him, we would do well to take time to think as he would think, in an effort to guard and to fortify those areas wherein he seeks to attack. If I were the devil, how would I go about destroying this congregation? I would undermine the trust and the respect for the elders. They're godly men set apart for guiding and shepherding us, protecting us from false doctrine demanding truth be presented and taught from the pulpit and in the classes. So if I could undermine our trust and our respect for them, I could win a battle. Is that not so? Has that not taken place? Who do we choose to listen to Matthew reminds us of Matthew 12 and verse 25 that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Satan knows that. And he knows that we know that. But if he can center our attention on something else, he begins to gain a foothold. Elders are the shepherd, the flock of God. Shepherd involves the feeding, the protecting, the caring for, and love for the sheep. To feed is being very careful about what's taught. What type of food do they partake of? And they have an interest in that. Because souls are at stake. The elders are elders because they've already demonstrated godly qualities and a desire for us to trust them. We each have an obligation, but we do have an obligation to put trust. They watch over for our souls as those that will one day give an account. The Hebrew writer reminds us in Hebrews 11, and verse 17, 13, verse 17, excuse me, verse th- chapter 13 of Hebrews and verse 17. They guard our souls. They give a, an account. In the way that the writer expresses it, We need to allow them to be able to do it with joy. Because if they're not able to serve with joy, it means that we as sheep are not listening and it will not be beneficial for us that we chose not to listen. Involved in that is a trust that I trust other people. We have to live with a society where that trust is there, do we not? You can be paranoid about everything if you're not careful. Behind everything, there's an enemy. Behind everything, there's a danger. And even in God's house, there can be. But there has to be a trust as well. If I was the devil trying to destroy the congregation, I would encourage you to put your own interest above that of the church. Do what pleases you. Do you do not like what's going on, then, you know, complain about it. I'm not satisfied with what I see going on. Cause a rift among members and among one another. The Philippians, Paul in the Philippian letter in chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 reminds us to look out for the interest of self. No. You look out for the interests of others. Not a one of us goes through this life alone. Not a one of us is our salvation dependent upon ourselves to a degree here. We need to encourage one another. We need to protect one another. We need to have patience with one another. It's where the song comes in, angry words or let them never, from your lips depart takes patience. Not to allow the anger get the best of us. So we need, we need to be careful in that area. James reminds us in James 4.10 to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you. Jesus is our example, is he not? Humbling oneself. again, So many times, Satan uh, uh, steers us away from the Word of God. It does not take long to, to read John 13. It takes a lifetime to begin to grasp the true meaning of what he's saying there. But it doesn't take long to read it. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. And he will exalt you. We like the praise of men. We like the pat on the back. And if we're not careful, that's what we seek. Rather than seeking the will of God. Striving to move us from walking by Faith to encourage Satan does to encourage us to walk by sight. Do what you can do to be seen of one another. And may it never be said that the church here has suffered because of my pride and my selfishness. That's a statement for each one of us to make. To pray that the church here is not suffering because of my pride, my arrogance, and my selfishness. It goes back to the elders. The elders are servants. They're shepherds. They follow the example of the chief shepherd. whose desire was to serve and not to be served. If I were the devil, I would sprinkle within the church people who are living ungodly lives. Then each one of us has to answer that one. ungodly lives in the congregation discourages the righteous look at Joshua 7 God's people suffered a defeat because of ungodliness in the, in the congregation Achan has taken that which he ought not to have taken. And it took a while to find out to why the defeats had come. There's sin in the camp. Now, Satan can get sin to remain in the camp. He can destroy. That's where each one of us has to look within self. Where am I? Am I allowing the words of pure in heart not to be true? Is there some impurity in the heart? Some animosity? Some dislike for one reason or another? The failing to see that each one of us is a human being or each one of us a part of the body of Christ? And each one of us is one for whom Christ has died and shed his blood. And each one has to stand before God. But we have to look, we have to be aware. Immorality or ungodliness can destroy or discourage the righteous. We know the example in 1 Kings 18 Elijah and Mount Carmel, the defeating of the prophets of Baal. When you read that chapter 18, the challenge that Elijah made to the people, but you read of the great defeat of 450 prophets of Baal, it really didn't matter how many prophets of Baal there was. They're all false prophets to begin with and cannot stand against God. But then you go into chapter 19, Ungodliness in the nation, Jezebel, caused Elijah to become discouraged. A prophet of God, who had just won a tremendous victory, allowed wickedness to discourage him. Allowed the wickedness of the one, as well as many others as well, but allowed the wickedness to destroy confidence in God. And to believe that because of one, all were. What did Elijah say? Lord, take my life. Finish me off. There's an unrighteous here. I'm the only one that's righteous here. Let's go ahead and take my life. And Satan would prefer that we not remember the rest of it. The Lord said, Elijah. I like that part anyway. Elijah, your math is way off. You simply do not know how to count. I've got 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. You only count one. I count 7,000. So why is that? Elijah had turned inward rather than turning upward and outward. Lift up your eyes. Elijah would tell his servant who was discouraged. Lift up your eyes and see what the Lord has already provided. Greater are those that are for the Lord than those that are against the Lord. God has a greater power. Do we trust Him in that? If I was the devil and wanted to destroy the congregation, I would advocate compromise. We see it in God's family from time to time. Instead of seeking biblical authority, I would proceed under the premise of, what's the big deal about it? What difference does it really make, one way or another? God's not concerned about the mighty details of things. Or, what's so bad about it? I mean, it enhances worship for those that go those particular routes. What's so bad about that? And the one that I think he uses oftentimes, the world believes it. And at times when we're not careful, it slips into the church. Do you think God will send us to hell for simply, and fill in the blank, one transgression? Simply send it for one transgression. God will you. Do, do you really believe that that God will send us to hell? Why did Jesus die? And for what? And for what sins did he die for? If you keep all the law and stumble in one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. Well, that creeps in and we're not careful. And we have to watch it. All I know is God is God. And God is true. God is righteous. God does not make mistakes. And he's very much aware of everything we do. But sometimes we use that. And we're not careful. To cover up what we, as an individual, may be doing. I've given my heart to God. God but I still kept back a little bit for myself. There's some area that I really don't want to try to give up because I enjoy it. And I'll forget what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 11, verses 23 through 26 down in there. Moses chose to suffer ill treatment with God's people rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season. And you think about that. Moses gave up the treasures of Egypt. And I've mentioned it times. Have you ever thought about that? Stop to reflect for a moment. From the human perspective. We do a lot of that from the human perspective, but from the human perspective, where do you believe you could do the greatest good for God's people? If one, if you had all the treasures of Egypt at your disposal, think of the good that you could do for your people. Feed them, house them, clothe them, Do you think you could do the greater good for God's people as Pharaoh of Egypt, which he would have been in line for? Or do you believe that you could do the greatest good for God's people as being a slave making bricks for Pharaoh's cities? Human perspective. Heavenly perspective. Where are the treasures of Egypt today? Where are the cities that were being built at that time? And where is Moses today? Do you think he made a wise choice? In the eyes of God, I believe he did. But Satan says, no, you look at the physical. You know, if you work a little bit harder, you can make a little bit more. If you make a little bit more, you can give a little bit more. If you do this, you can do that. And forget. That's not what God is looking for. God is looking for the heart. You give the heart to God and the rest will follow. Does he need more of my money? No, he needs me. And whatever I have. If I give what I have to God that I'm his to begin with, then the rest will fall into place. May not be to the that I might want it to be. But that's me versus God, and I'd rather trust God. I'll take his view that that's what he wants and that's what I'm be willing to do. In other words, if I were the devil and I wanted to destroy the congregation, I'd already be doing what the Bible says he's doing, and that's what he's doing. There's nothing new in what I've talked about. Those are already the tactics that the devil is using. And history already shows us, and experience already shows us that he has has been and will be successful. If, If we do not take seriously in our heart those words that we have sung, take my hand and lead me, Lord. Angry words, oh, let them never Depart from my lip. Pure in heart, O oh Lord, help me to be. And may it not be said that I would say, There's a stranger at the door of my heart asking to come in. The song says, Let the stranger in. Let me listen to the words of God. Let me have a trust in the words of God. And let me honestly believe that each step that I take, I walk with a Savior. I'm walking through this life into eternity. I'm not walking in this life believing there is no eternity. I'm passing through. Heaven's my home. Is it yours? Is it your home? Listen to the song as we sing it. Listen to the message that it's giving. Let's be honest enough with each other and honest enough with self that if there is a need to make a change from what we sing, be willing to make it. If we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.